0: It's great to be worshiping together on this beautiful summer morning. As we come to our time for the sermon, we want to start with just a time of prayer. And many of you are aware of what's been happening in Beirut and Lebanon over this past week, the explosion that happened there and the damage that was done. We have a connection to Lebanon through our Canadian Baptist Ministries. We support work there at the seminary. We also have four of our own people who have graduated from that seminary in Lebanon. And uh, they are part of us here. And so in some ways we have this connection, not just because we care, but because we actually have people who are from there. And so we just wanted to be in prayer for the church in Lebanon, for the situation there. we would got an email asking us to be in prayer from the uh, mission that's there. They ask us to pray for those that have lost their homes or lost loved ones, for first responders, doctors, nurses, paramedics, for rescue teams, praying for people in the places of responsibility as there's all kinds of challenges on the government level in Lebanon, to pray for the church as it seeks to comfort and serve the distressed, and to pray for the ministries that we're part of, and to ask that God will use them there. So I invite you to be in prayer for that. And as we begin our time of reflection on scripture, let's start with prayer. Father God, we thank you for the knowledge that you are God. That in times of tragedy, when things are tough, you are still present. And Father, we don't understand what happened in Beirut. But Father, we trust that you are in the process of healing and reconciling and repairing. And so, Father, we just come and we pray for that situation. We pray for those that have lost loved ones there. We pray for those that have lost houses and homes, places to stay and live. We pray, Lord, for those who are serving as first responders, and especially for the rescue teams, for the doctors, for the overwhelmed medical system there. Father, we pray for the church, for our ministries there at the seminary, at the schools, and the bookstores. and other places of ministry, Father, as they seek to bring your presence into this situation, as they seek to bring your hope and your strength and share that with others. Father, we just are in prayer for the country of Lebanon, for the city of Beirut, for the churches and for the ministries that are serving you there. Father, may they in this very, very sp- special time, Father God, may they know your power, may they know your strength, and may they be able to bring that not only to themselves, but to others around them. And So, Father, we pray for the church, and we pray for the people of Beirut. Father God, we pray, be with them, for we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. We're in a series walking our way through the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and it's all about characters of faith and actually this morning we're talking about Abraham who goes through immensely tough times and yet shows his faith in amazing ways and so the story of Lebanon is is kind of not a bad introduction to what we'll be thinking about this morning. I invite you if you want to follow along we're in Hebrews chapter 11 is God. And so, Father, we open your word and we pray that you would guide us and lead us this morning as we reflect on the story of Abraham, what it can teach us about tough times and challenging situations, what it means to have faith when everything isn't going the way we thought it would. And Father God, we just pray your blessing on what we hear and what we say on what we think. Father, may we hear your voice and may we obey you today, we pray in Jesus name. So we're thinking this morning about the faith of Abraham. And I've sort of started out with that saying when the tough get when the going gets tough. <laughs> I almost gave you the second half. When the going gets tough Many of us know a second half to that, the tough get going. I wonder if that's, uh, as a proverb, really that helpful. So this morning, just this thought, when the going gets tough, what? We're at the midpoint of the summer. We're kind of halfway through uh, the, the season of summer, maybe a little more than halfway through for the kids if they're going back to school in the fall. And I just wonder at this midpoint, how are you doing? We're in a different time. We're not where we expected to be in the middle of summer, I'm guessing. I've been talking to people that have had surgery or got underlying illnesses, and this whole COVID thing has really meant they've got to isolate and stay home. And people are getting a little bit cabin fever in the summer, which we expect in the winter, but not so much this time of year. Talk to older people worried about catching COVID, what it could mean for them. Talk to younger families who are trying to figure out with their kids, what do you do with kids? How do you help them learn to isolate? How do you uh, handle the fall? What do we do about school going back? Lots of questions there. Talk to people that are working and, you know, just a concern. Will my job still be there? Uh, The oil patch is in its interesting phase and, you know, people are a little bit concerned. It's a tough time to be working. Many of us probably had some sort of travel plans for the summer. It, it may have been international. It may have been down to the States. It may have been here in Canada. But a lot of those plans have been adjusted and changed, haven't they? Uh, I mean, there's some of us that have, you know, probably more airline credits than Warren Buffett has stock. So um, if there was ever a tough time, it wouldn't be surprising that it's now that many of us are living through something different than we expected. Sure is true for the church. You know, this weekend marks five months since our last service when everybody was sitting in front of me and I wasn't just talking to an empty building. It was five months ago. March the 8th was our last Sunday in here. And... You know, we really don't know when our next Sunday in here will be, and especially our next Sunday when we can expect everybody to be able to come back. Even for the church, it's been a challenge. And the question comes, when the going gets tough, how do we handle it? Great to say we're Christians, great to say it's by faith, And I think that's where this chapter 11 of Hebrews is helpful. And I think especially this morning, this part about Abraham. Because at the end of this chapter, Hebrews is going to talk about the men of faith and the women of faith and how they lived. And there's a sort of a a switch in the middle of it, which I've added a but in parenthesis to. But in 11 verse 32 of Hebrews, he goes on and says, what more shall I say? This is after he's gone through a few more characters. For time would fail me to tell of Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. And then he goes, that's the good news. But some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Well, there you go. I've bracketed your situation with what's going on in Beirut and what some of these people experience. So already we're getting perspective maybe this morning that we're in tough times, but maybe they're not as tough as they could be. But that doesn't matter how tough they are. The question is, how do we handle them anyway? Because they're as tough as they need to be for us at the moment, probably. And Hebrews says, you know, some people had it tough and they got out of it. Some people had it tough and they didn't but they had faith regardless. And so my question this morning that I'm going to try and answer in the next little while is this very simple question. Where do we find faith to last through tough times? Or maybe better, where do we find faith to thrive through tough times? When the going gets tough, what do we do? Well, that brings us to Abraham. And we've got to him as we've been walking through chapter 11. And I think his story answers it, but it answers it in a very cryptic way. And it's easy to think that because Abraham was such a hero of the Bible, well, maybe he didn't have such a tough life after all. I mean, if you think of Abraham, he takes up a third of this chapter where the the writer of the book of Hebrews is just putting together like, the hall of fame of the Old Testament. But a third of it is just Abraham. Uh, in the book of Genesis, he takes from chap- chapter 12 to chapter 25. So he takes a good quarter of that book up. Even in the New Testament, you know, which is 2,000 years after his time, he's mentioned 74 times. And it's not just Christians. It's Jewish people who obviously have the Old Testament. But even in the Quran, even Muslim. He's mentioned 188 times as a hero within that as well. But in spite of that, it doesn't mean that his life was an easy one. And the section starts by just saying, remember that Abraham went through tough times too. And he does it by these by faith statements. And he has three of them. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And that's that story from Genesis 12 where God calls him when he's back in in his home city of Ur. And God says, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your city. I want you to leave everything and go where I tell you to. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I just throw away line, you know, just love that one line in there. Uh, He went out not knowing where he was going. And I know many of the women in the congregation are just saying, well, that sounds like my husband when he goes driving too. And he ain't about to stop and ask. But what it is is that Abraham never gets to receive the land that God promised him. Uh, The next verse kind of explains that. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, his son and grandson, heirs with him of the same promise. And when Abraham obeys God and he goes to the land, of what we would call Israel today, uh, he never gets to own any of the land. The only, you know, it's not like God says, well, you're going to be the king of this land. He, the only land he actually owns is a small plot of land that he buys because his wife dies and he wants a place to bury her. And so he buys this cave. An exorbitant price, if you read the story. And that's the only land he owned. He lived in fear of rulers. I mean, he lied about whether Sarah was really his wife or not. He lived in tents like a nomad. He had a challenge. And yet, he had faith in God. And then the third one is God tested him by promising him the son. But then no child was born, you know, for a decade or so. And when the child was born, then God comes to him and says, well, actually, I'd like you to sacrifice him. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said through Isaac, shall your offspring be named. In other words, Abraham had some tough times, too. Abraham had challenges with, His work situation where he had fights with other shepherds, which is what he was. He had fights with his own family, with Lot. He had trouble with conceiving a child. He had trouble when he conceived the child with God letting him keep it. You know, he just had all kinds of things going on. And yet it said he had faith. And it says he was a a friend of God. Moses, it says, God talked to like a friend. Of Abraham, it said he was a friend of God. And and somehow his faith shone through his circumstances. When the tough, when the things got tough for Abraham, he drew closer to God. And I think if he were to talk to us this morning, he would listen to your story and he would say, yeah, that is tough. I know tough because I've been through it. It's not the same as you, but it's similar. And he would maybe tell us a couple of things that we could learn from that. And so Hebrews does that for him. And it talks about faith. And it tells us three things about Abraham's faith. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. And by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Now, the challenge of those three things is they tell us what he did, but they didn't tell us how he did it. They didn't tell us how he had the strength, the endurance, the courage to do them. And the question comes, well, what is it that allows us to live by faith? What is it that allows us to keep going when things get tough? Is it just that we screw up our courage and just go for it? And we know that's not the right thing because we know God has to be in there somewhere. The world would tell us, you just got to get over it and get on with it. The Bible has a couple of other things. One of the things it says is that all of this is temporary. All of the challenges that we face, you know, it's out of context, I know. But th- but that verse, you know, it came to pass. It will come to pass. And, you know, we could say, well, it's all temporary. We're going to get through it. Let's have faith. James kind of puts a different twist on it. He says it builds character. He says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness will have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In other words, he says, when we hit the tough times, it's what builds us into the people we need to be. Well, it could be temporary. It could be character building. Uh, Paul says to the Corinthian church, well, you know, what, what suffering does for us or what tough times do is it helps us empathize with others who are going through that kind of thing. And Paul to the Corinthian church said, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves have received from God. And those are all great answers. They're just not the answer the book of Hebrews gives. They're partial answers. And all the answers are partial in a sense that you put them all together to make the full picture. But the truth that Hebrews gives us this morning is that Abraham's faith was subtly different than that. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was about to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. And by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And I want to suggest to you that in some sort of hidden and cryptic way, maybe, it's that last sentence that explains the entire thing. And it's that last sentence that our whole sermon is going to be built on. That last sentence says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations. And maybe you're thinking, well, Dale, I think you're reaching just a touch. I'm not sure that's really the solution to my tough times. But Hebrews is going to come back to it. At the end of this little section on Abraham, it says, all of speaking of Abraham's descendants... Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And the question comes, well, what does that actually mean and how do I do it? And how does it make any difference to the tough times that I'm going through right today? And I think it's it's a question of seeing that as setting two perspectives that are crucial that we get right. And they're really simple perspectives. It's the perspective of the then, and it's the perspective of the now. So the then. The key to handling tough times is knowing that we're looking forward to something different. It says of Abraham, he was looking forward. He was looking to eternity. He wasn't just looking out. We look out, we see the problems. We look forward, we see God. We look out, we see the challenge. We look forward, we see the solution. And the question is, what was he looking forward to? And I want to suggest to you, he was looking forward to eternity. And the question comes, well, what will eternity be like? And the simple answer to that is, well, we know there's going to be two eternities. There's going to be an eternity for those who reject God. That's an eternity without God. The Bible calls it hell. But there's an eternity for those who worship God. It's an eternity with God. And the Bible calls that heaven. And for those who admit their sin, who confess that they have done wrong, who receive God's offer of forgiveness through Jesus Christ, we are promised that eternity with him. And the Bible calls that heaven. And the question comes, well, what does heaven look like? Well, when I was a child, (laughs) always go back to this, when I was a child, I don't know if I was ever taught this or I just believed this, but when I was a child, I was told I could go to heaven to be with God. Maybe you were told that. The reality is, (laughs) it's not what the Bible says. It says God will bring heaven down to us. In Revelation 21, I saw the holy city. We're looking for the city without foundations, right? So here it is. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is the last two chapters of the Bible, so we know this is the end, right? I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with people. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God will himself will be with them as their God. In other words, it's a new heaven and a new earth. So when I was a kid, what I understood was, I go to heaven where God is now, and everything is there. The reality is, when this you take seriously this verse about, about heaven coming down, um, it, it has something to do with this earth. And so what a lot of teaching on on heaven today is, is that heaven is a renewed earth. It is an earth that is cleaned up and perfected. It's brought back to what it was like before sin entered. It's uh, earth 2.0 in a sense. It's God's presence here. And, and some of the people that will talk about that will talk about we'll have jobs, we'll live in houses. You know, life will be very much like this. Only it'll be perfect, um, which says something about the weather in Calgary, I'm sure. And this is where we'll be. And this is where we'll spend eternity in a new heaven and a new earth. I struggle with that. I struggle with the fact that heaven is just where God is now. I struggle with the fact that the new city coming down means that heaven is going to be here and Things are going to go on a lot like they are now, except perfected. And and Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15. He's, He's in this discussion with people in the Corinthian church there, and they're trying to figure out what eternity looks like. And he says, well, you know, probably, well, let's read what he says, and then we'll figure it out. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? In other words, what's heaven like? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come back to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps wheat, some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. What is sown perishable is raised imperishable. Sown in dishonor is raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. For if there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. It's a little confusing. It's open to interpretation. But the way I understand that is what Paul is saying is that when we die and when we go to be with God, which the Bible calls heaven, there will be continuity and discontinuity. Continuity in the sense that there will be some things that are the same. We will have a body. We will have... um, our personality we will be who we are except perfected but there will be discontinuity uh, we don't know exactly what that looks like we don't know exactly what heaven is like but paul's image i think is very striking he says you what you sow is not the body but a bare kernel perhaps of wheat or some other grain so i'm not a farmer so let's get out of the grain part of the But let's go to tulips. I understand tulips a little better. If you want a tulip in your garden, you plant a bulb. And as you plant that bulb, you plant it in hope that it's going to germinate and grow into a plant. And if you've never planted a tulip before and know nothing about tulips, you plant this bulb and you think, well, I wonder what it's going to look like. Well, what it could look like is a giant bulb. It just grows or what it could look like is a tree with these bulbs on it like apples but what you get is you get this beautiful flower bulb flower continuity discontinuity the bulb comes out of the flower and if you go down far enough on the flower there's still sort of the bulb there. But discontinuity, it doesn't look anything like that. And I just think what Paul is saying is we don't understand heaven. Let's just hold it with open hands. Let's believe there is a then. But let's not get too detailed about what it looks like. What we do know is it'll be perfect. It'll be with God. It'll be when all our tough times are over. It'll be for eternity. So the faith of Abraham has to do with him looking forward to that. So that's the then. The now is, well, how do I live in light of that? How does that change my perspective on my tough times? How does that change my perspective on all parts of my life? If our home is this new reality, which is not here, then we need to live differently. By faith, Abraham went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac, Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to that city that has no foundations, a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And Hebrews tells us that Abraham lives differently in three specific ways, which I think are applicable to us. The first one was he lived in a land of promise. In other words, sometimes we feel when our times are so tough, God isn't here. We just feel that God isn't present. Life is hard. You know, it's just all there is. All we see is what we look out on. We don't look forward to anything. And what we need to remind ourselves in is that we live in a land of promise because God is present with us. In fact, that verse in uh, Roman and Revelation that I read Quotes from Leviticus chapter 26. And in Leviticus 26, God made this promise to the people of Israel as they were wandering through the desert on their way to the promised land. I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, and I will walk among you and will be your God and you will be my people. And the first promise is that we live in the land of promise because God is present. God has placed us here. God is walking here with us and God is watching over us. And we are in the land of promise because of that. Now the second thing qualifies that is it's a foreign land. It is not the home that we are going to that God is preparing for us for all eternity. This is not the home we were built for. The reason we have tough times is because there's sin in this world. Stuff happens. It happens to us as individuals. Even as a church, you know, sometimes we get all bent out of shape because we get persecution from the government or persecution from uh, certain groups or whatever. We should expect it. This is their home, not ours. Hebrews told us that people were persecuted right from the beginning, you know, killed, cut in half. Uh, The Jewish understanding was Isaiah the prophet died by being sawed in half. Um, In this life, we will have tough times because we are strangers here. We are foreigners in this world, and it does not understand us, and it cannot understand us. And we should never be surprised when we run into challenge of ridicule and persecution because we don't fit here any more than Jesus fit. But we can make a difference like Jesus made a difference but we will also face persecution like Jesus faced persecution. So it's a land of promise. God is present. It's a foreign land. Sin and evil are present as well. Therefore, third point, we live in tents. (laughs) Yeah, it's summer, right? Um, And what I think just is saying is because this is our present home, but not our permanent home, We live lightly. We're not anxious about careers. We're not anxious about homes and nice cars and success and promotion and stuff. Can't take that with us. But what God said in that verse in Leviticus, he says, I will make my dwelling among you. A challenge with translating stuff is you want to make it understandable, but you don't always keep the accuracy. So, What that really said in the original Hebrew was, I will tabernacle among you. I will tent among you. You remember the tabernacle was the tent form of the temple that they had, first of all, when they were in the desert going to the promised land after they left Egypt. And and this idea of tabernacle is that God tabernacles with us. The tabernacle was a sign of God's presence, that God was with them. And he says, I will make my dwelling among you. I will tabernacle with you. I will tent with you. In in the Gospel of John, at the very beginning, when Jesus comes, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And and the word there again is that word tabernacle. It's that he came and tented among us. It's this living lightly and moving quickly kind of image. Um, A few years ago, uh, a few of us used to go uh, for a number of years. We went on a a bike trip uh, together. So we with four or five days, we'd load up the bikes. We'd, uh, the bags on the side of the bikes go called panniers. So we'd load all our stuff on there. We'd have our tents. We'd have our sleeping bags. We'd have our stoves. We'd have our food. We'd have everything we need. Um, we tried to have enough to be comfortable at night and as little to be mobile by day because you don't want to cycle that stuff super far. Some days we're biking uphill, you know, for days at a time. We're going into the wind. We're going to the sun. We're going into the heat. There's always, you know, challenges. There's bears. There's rattlesnakes. We saw them all. Uh, the ride could be tough, but yet we enjoyed doing it. Enjoyed doing it together, enjoyed the, the challenge of it in some ways. But because we were on a journey to a destination, we traveled light and intentionally. And if I were to sum up this part of the sermon, that's really the sentence I would do. That's my picture of what Hebrews is about, is that we're on a journey to a destination, so we need to travel light and intentionally. It's what Hebrews says about Abraham. He knew he was walking with God in the land, but it wasn't his home. He looked forward to something more, so he traveled light. He traveled obediently. And this morning, I just wonder as we come to this idea of what do we do in the tough times? Well, some of the tough times are caused by us and some are incidental to us. They just happen to us. What do we do about that? Well, the first thing we need to do is to look forward and not look out. In other words, are you sure of your destination? Do you have a relationship with God that is so deep that you know that the world in its current form is not your home forever? Are you aware that you're in a foreign land on a journey and that bad things happen on the journey because it's not home yet? There will be a time when we come home where all the bad things go. But God gives us strength in the moment. And he gives us perspective for the future. And the question this morning is simply this. Are you traveling intentionally? Are you traveling lightly? Are you traveling obediently? I just wonder, what in the next minute, what can you think of That you could do this week. Maybe you just need to spend some time this week. Just remembering. That there is a destination beyond this. And and most of us don't think about heaven. Most of us don't think about what happens when we die. And just to picture for a few moments. Maybe in your prayer time this week. As you start out in praise of God. Just picture what God is preparing for us. How do we focus on the destination? Secondly, what do we do to rethink the challenges on the way? How do we see them in fresh perspective? How do we see God's presence? And how do we remind ourselves that God is here even when it doesn't feel like it sometimes? When God is here in his people, when God is here in his spirit, that God is present. And then thirdly, are there things that are distracting you on this journey to your destination? Are you traveling lightly? After chapter 11 comes chapter 12. It's a really stunning way of putting the book together. And in chapter 12, verse 1 of Hebrews, he says this. Therefore, on the basis of all this chapter that we've looked at, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This morning, I don't want to sugarcoat the fact that you're in tough times. I know there's people in our church that are going through immensely challenging times. And I know that all of us have challenges in our lives. The question this morning is just simply this. Do we have faith to get through? And that faith is, do we believe that God has a destination for us? Do we believe that God is present here, even though we're in this foreign land, on this journey together? And do we believe that God is equipping us and calling us to move forward with him towards that? This morning, I just want to pray for us as we finish these thoughts. In the challenges of the the times that we live, do we have this eternal perspective? which gives us a fresh perspective on the present, which then gives us sort of our marching orders for moving forward, holding things lightly, but trusting God that he will work these out. So, Father God, this morning we just pray that you would just help us to understand your message. Father, help us to see that destination that you've prepared this heaven, whatever it looks like. But where we'll spend eternity with you, where sorrow and sickness and tears and all that is gone. Father, give us hope in the future, we pray. Father God, we pray about this present. Help us to see this as as not our home. Father, it's all we know. It feels like home. And we are affected when we're not treated as belonging here. But Father, we pray for that, that you would help us in that. And Father God, we pray that you would help us to cast off anything that would slow us down in our walk with you. Whether it's distractions, whether it's sin, whether it's just disobedience. Father, this week we pray, may we walk with you. May we just be aware of your voice calling us to move forward. Not only that we can then draw close to you. But that we can make a difference in your world. And we can draw others to you as well. So we pray, oh God, go with us into this week, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen.